It's great to be back together today on Search the Scriptures. We're so happy to have this opportunity once again to be here with all of our listeners and open up God's Word and dig a little bit deeper into those rich teachings and truths. We're thankful that you're there. We're thankful that we're here. And we know that many of you listen every day or just about every day because you've let us know that you do. Others listen very frequently, though they may not be able to listen every day, but they tune us in very frequently. We're thankful that all of you are there. Many others listen on a pretty regular basis, but they don't let their, well, their schedule does not let them listen as frequently as they might like, but they keep tuning in and we're thankful for you. And we're thankful for those who might be listening for the very first time. And our prayer is that if you're in that particular grouping, that you will quickly come to realize that we really do teach God's Word. We get into the Bible. We don't just talk about God. We don't just talk about the Scriptures. We study the Scriptures. We help you learn them in depth and in detail. Peel the layers of the onion back, so to speak, as we often say, and get into the depths and the meat of God's teachings. We want to help you grow in your faith. And the best way that we can do that is teach you God's Word more fully. Because, as we keep emphasizing, the Bible itself says that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. So we want to help you grow in your faith. And we want to help you come closer to God. In fact, we want to help you come all the way to God, His way. Through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, as you are moved, as your faith continues to get stronger, to want to be forgiven of your sins, and so you're ready to repent of those sins and confess your faith in Christ and surrender to him in baptism, at which which point the blood that he shed on the cross is still 100% effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And as you go under that water, you're buried with him. And as you come up out of that water, you're reborn spiritually. You're a new creation spiritually as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Reborn, as Jesus told Nicodemus, has to happen. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. You have a new walk. You have a new direction in life. You have a new purpose, a new focus. You have a new identity. Now you're one of God's adopted children. Now you are a Christian. And the Lord himself adds you to his church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. You have, again, that new hope, eternal life with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven for all of eternity. Oh, how wonderful that is. And our prayers are with you, and we really do pray for you, and our prayers are for you. At the end of the program, we're going to tell you how you can contact us and receive a free Bible study that will help you learn how you can be a Christian, how you can be saved right from God's Word. It'll teach you about God, it'll teach you about Christ, about heaven, about hell. It'll teach you about eternal life and eternal condemnation. It will help you see in a really easy to understand manner what God has communicated to all of us in His Word to guide us to forgiveness and salvation. The study is free. And we'll even take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask for it. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, and again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. 
So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and at the end of the program today, we'll give you that information. Jot it down, and then follow through and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to continue in, I believe, a very, very important study from God's Word. We're looking at Genesis chapter 3 as our, basic, as our base text, and we're talking about that day in the history of mankind on which everything changed. Now we noted that from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, actually through verse 28, God created man unique from everything else in that God created us in his own image. In the image of God, he created us. Male and female, he created us. So we're unique. We have a soul. We have a spiritual being within us. We can understand right from wrong, righteousness from unrighteousness, godliness from ungodliness. We can understand faithfulness from unfaithfulness and obedience from disobedience. We can understand what it is to follow God, the very concept of God and godliness. Nothing else can understand those principles. Now you can train some animals to react to certain stimuli and you might say good boy or good girl but they're simply reacting to training that you have instilled within them. They don't understand the concepts of why they're doing what they're doing on the basis of good or evil. They're simply doing what you've trained them to do, and they want your approval. Maybe they want a reward, (laughs) a treat of some kind, and so they react. But we understand the very principle of righteousness and sin. And that's how we're different from everything else. Now, God placed the man and the woman, the first man and the woman, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. And he gave them all the fruit of all the trees within that garden that they could eat, except one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he told them in, that, he told them in verse 17 of Genesis chapter 2, not to touch that fruit of that tree. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. They understood that was a restriction placed upon them, and they obeyed that restriction. They obeyed God's will. And then we came to Genesis chapter 3. And the devil, as is his nature, appeared on the scene. And he began to try to lure them away from God, away from faithfulness to God and obedience to God. And so he questioned them in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 3. Has God said that you may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden? And Eve said, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, except the tree that is in the midst of the garden. And she was referring to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For God has said that, In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Well, again, the devil was being very subtle, and he was working his way into Eve's consciousness, into her mind, into her emotions. And so the devil says, you're not going to die. Now, that was a lie. But you're going to become like God, knowing good from evil. And that was deception. They, she would come to know good and evil all right because she would have experienced 
being evil in the, in the very act of sinning against God. And so she looked at the fruit of the tree, and that was a mistake. She lingered over it. And uh, she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. Well, that was how the devil had lured her up to the point of disobeying God and eating of that fruit. And then she did. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And as we've emphasized, at that moment, on that day, everything changed. And it wasn't just everything for them changed. Everything changed. Everything changed for mankind at that, day, at that moment, on that day. And basically, everything changed for the world at that moment, on that day. Verse 7 says, The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, at the end of chapter 2, verse 25, they had been naked together, and they were not ashamed. But now they were. You see, again, everything changed. Their innocence was gone. Now they were sinners. God appeared on the scene. Verse 8 says, They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Now you see, they separated themselves from the presence of God because they were sinners. They were ashamed. When the Lord God called to Adam and asked him, Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now, this discourse of conversation would indicate to me that they must have had conversation with God uh, probably on a fairly regular basis up until that point. They must have had a close relationship with God, used to hearing him walking in the garden, and must have been used to speaking with him and having him speak to them. But now, when they heard him, they hid themselves. They were ashamed. They were no longer innocent. They were sinners. And when God asked them, how do you know you were naked? Have you eaten of that fruit that I told you not to eat? Now they began to make excuses, place blame on somebody else. And so first the man said in verse 12, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And so they began to blame someone else for their bad choices. And that is something that people continue to do to this very day. Instead of owning up to their own bad choices, their mistakes, 
they try to blame them on someone else or on something else and thereby try to salve their conscience and escape responsibility for what they have done. Yeah. It doesn't work today, and it did not work then. So, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Apparently, serpents did not have the same characteristics of how they existed then as they do today. So God told the serpent, of course he's speaking to the devil, but here's an object lesson. He tells him through the serpent, yeah, the serpent, you're going to crawl on your belly. You're going to eat dust all the days of your life. He goes on and says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now he's talking directly to the devil. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now this is what we would call the first messianic prophecy. Now again, the first consequence of how everything changed was Adam and Eve lost their innocence. They were no longer innocent. Now they saw something wrong with being something shameful in being naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They were sinners now. The second thing that changed was they lost that close relationship, personal relationship with God. They hid from his presence. And now the third major change that we can pick up on is that their sin necessitated the sacrifice of God's Son as the Savior. Man sinned, but man was not capable of forgiving his sin. He would have to be dependent totally upon God and God's grace for that to happen. But God's grace was already in God's mind. And I believe we're to understand from other passages of Scripture that God already understood what was going to happen, and he already had the plan for man's redemption in mind before he ever created man. But you see, somebody would say, well, why did he, God, why did he let man sin then? Because he created us in God's image with a moral conscience and a moral compass he let us make our decisions. He did not create us to be programmed, to be unable to do anything but obey him. He wants us to love him based on who he is, our creator, our God. And so he wants us by our free will to demonstrate our love for him through our obedience to him. But now man needed a Savior. We still need a Savior. Thank God he already had the plan in mind. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 8, the Apostle Paul wrote, But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while 
we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And of course, this is a parallel of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We could look at Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, and we could look there at verse 28. And the Hebrews writer wrote about this as well. So Christ was offered, the idea offered as a sacrifice, once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Offered to bear the sins of many. In chapter 10 and verse 10, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The ultimate, perfect, one time for all time sacrifice. And what Jesus had to go through in being that perfect sacrifice, that ultimate sacrificial lamb, our Savior hanging on that cross is virtually beyond our ability to comprehend. In fact, I don't think we can fully comprehend. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, For he, that is God, made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And what Paul was trying to get across there is that God the Father had God the Son bear the guilt of all of our sins, all mankind's sins for all time, on himself as he hung on that cross. He paid the price for our sins. He was the sacrifice that was necessary. You see, God had created man, as I said, different from everything else he created. There were animals all over the world at that time, but they were beneath man. Man was put in, in subjection over them, going back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And so when man sinned, the, you could look at it as, as the ultimate of all of God's creations on this earth, there was nothing left in this earth that could suffice to be the sacrifice that would be necessary to bring man forgiveness. God had to send his own son from heaven to be that sacrifice. And he did. Now, there were some judgments that God pronounced upon the man and the woman. Now, notice that he tells the serpent or the devil through the serpent in verse 15 that he would put enmity between him and the woman between her seed and his seed, and that he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And that would indicate that the devil was going to be, well, he was, he was going to have some negative influences upon the person of Christ as he was in this world. He was going to cause some problems, persecution, and ultimately Jesus would go to the cross. He would bruise his heel in that way. But notice that God says that our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ, would bruise the head of the devil. So Christ would be victorious. And other passages of Scripture bring that out as well. Now, God pronounced judgment upon the woman. Here's something else 
that changed on that day. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And so physical pain was going to be increased in the existence of mankind. The woman was going to become more productive physically, having more children, and her desire would be toward her husband in that sexual relationship, but she would bear her children in sorrow and pain. And the man would rule over her. The husband would be her head. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul wrote along this line, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. We have a head. The head of woman is man. And that goes right back to the garden on that day when God pronounced some judgment upon her. And the head of Christ is God. And so it says Christ has a head, man has a head, and woman has a head. Now that's not politically correct in our culture today, but that is God's judgment upon the woman. In Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 22, he said, the Apostle Paul wrote, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, not meaning that the husband is on a level par with the Lord himself, but you submit to the Lord, you also submit to your husband. And your submitting to your husband is part of your submitting to the Lord, because that's God's will. Now, the text in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5 goes on and, and talks about, in rather detailed fashion, how the husband is supposed to take care of his wife and love her and cherish her and and she's also supposed to respect him, and she's supposed to love him. But again, change took place on that day because of sin. The man was going to have judgment pronounced upon him as well, and we'll talk about that more next time. We do hope that you will contact us right away. Jot down that information we're going to give you in just a moment. And then follow through and contact us and ask for that free Bible study. It can change your life for eternity, for good. It can open your eyes, your understandings to truths that may have eluded you to this point in your life. We hope to hear from you right away.